Genesis 30, verse 25, all the way through the end of the chapter, what we're going to look at today. We've been in the life of Jacob. There are a few things that you should know as we study the book, as we study the life of Jacob. Number one, every passage is weird. That's the first thing you should know. Every passage that we study here is weird, awkward, uncomfortable, every one of them. There has not been a passage where we have said, this makes perfect sense. Indeed, the majority of the time when we read the life of Jacob, we are slightly shocked and unnerved. So, every passage is weird. Second thing to remember, the only good guy in the story is God. The only good guy in this story is God. There's never a good character. Indeed, when we study the life of Jacob, there are often stories that we read and we say, I don't want to be anybody in this story. Rightly so, you should not want to be anybody in these stories. Jacob, uh, his very name means liar. That's what his name means. It's what his parents named him. Yay. Um, such a kind thing to do as a parent. Don't name your kid liar. Just a note. Don't get me wrong. Jacob in English is a fine name. In Hebrew, everybody knew what that meant. Um, so, just a few things to keep in mind as we read. Let's read together verses 25 through 43 and dive right in. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you that I may go. For you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, oh, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord Yahweh has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know that I have served you, and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also. And he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you do this, if you will, will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all of your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not spotted or speckled among the goats and the black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. And Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them 
in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks, poplar, and almond, and plain trees, and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the whites of the sticks. <laughs> he set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in troughs, that is, uh, that is, the watery places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of these sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the stripe and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them in Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the trough before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger would be Jacob's. Thus, the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Weird story. Just to be clear, if you scar sticks and put them in front of sheep, nowadays, this does not happen. This does not happen because there's some scientific reason or magic incantation that Jacob does. This happens because God is kind. It's the only reason. There's no other reason this happens. God is kind and generous and faithful. So, that's what we read here. You are not getting a prescription for how to breed sheep. I just want to put that out in front. This is not a prescription for how you breed sheep. That's not what this is. This is God being kind and generous to Jacob. God keeping his promise. Um, so, God has provided for Jacob people. In the last chapter, he's had 12 kids. 11 boys, 1 daughter. He's had 12 children. Uh, we know that uh, he's going to have another son, and these are going to be the tribes of Israel. That these are his kids, and they will be with whom God fulfills the promise he made to Abraham. I will give you offspring uh, that will bless the nations. He's going to fulfill through this in twofold measure. The people of Israel are the offspring promised to Abraham, and Jesus Christ is going to come through the line of Judah. He's going to come through that line of Judah. And remember, when we studied the names last week, that's the first one where the, the wife, the mother says, now I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord in this one. There's no reference to her own satisfaction or her own joy. It's now I will praise the Lord. So, she uh, praises the Lord. God provides people. So the last... Chapter, God provided people. Now he's going to provide property. 
remember the covenant promise he made with him at Bethel. I'm going to give you people. I'm going to bless you with property. I'm going to bless you so that you would bless the nations. And then I'm going to give you land. God has made that promise in chapter 28. He told him, you're going to get people, property, and land. That's the covenant promise, right? Those three things. That's also, by the way, what makes up a nation. People, property, land. That's what. That's the general uh, structure of a nation. Now, we know that there's more to it. There's uh, people, there's land, and then there's authority that rules over the land. And we know that our authority is Jesus Christ, and we bless the nations by his authority in our life by dealing directly with him. So Jacob here is about to get property. He's got people. This story is him getting property. And one of the points that we need to understand from the outset is Jacob has no ability to get property on his own. He has no ability to be successful on his own. He requires God's movement in his life. Requires God's movement in his life. Now let's dive in to the text. Jacob has just had his kids. He's, it's been uh, 14 years in the land serving for uh, Rachel and then for Leah, having children the second half of that, the second half, the second seven years, having these children. So he's been there 14 years serving Laban. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, this is Rachel's only biological kid. This is her only child at this point. She has one more later, but this one at this point is her only child. Uh, the others are all born by Leah and servants. And so this is her only child. So she has this child. And, and finally, Jacob, the rat of a husband that he is, decides, okay, I can keep this woman. You need to understand, Jacob is not a good husband. He's been lousy. He's proved that in the last chapter. So if you want proof that he's been a lousy husband, just read the previous chapter. So Jacob says, all right, she's, I'm going to keep her. I'm going to keep these kids. They're all mine. Let me go. So he goes to Laban and he says to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service I have given you. Now, this is an odd thing for Jacob to do. Jacob is not a direct person. Jacob is a deceiver. His very name means ankle grabber, or uh, one who nips at heels. So he is not accustomed to speaking directly. So this is weird. He goes to his boss, he goes to his uncle Laban, and he says, Laban, Give me my wives and children that I can go. So, there's an application here. When you have a deceiver who you are dealing with, speak directly. Say what you mean. There's a saying that I heard this last week. Emotionally healthy people say what they mean. Christians ought to be some of the most emotionally healthy people. Granted, we're not, but we should be. We own that we're not, but we should be. And we should speak what we mean. We shouldn't mince words. We should say what we mean. Jacob, for the 
first time in his life, for the first time in the story, says what he means. He speaks openly. Laban, give me my wives and children that I may go to my home. Note the emphasis there. My home and country. That I may go. He, he believes that there's a place for him somewhere else. He goes to Laban and he says, give me them. So say what you mean. Second application to draw for this is found in the response of Laban. Direct statements given to deceivers. Laban is a deceiver. He's Jacob, only older and more experienced. Same. So much is he the same that he pulls the same switch on Jacob that Jacob did on Isaac. He trades the oldest for the youngest, just like Jacob traded the oldest for the youngest. Same thing. In the dark. Same thing. So, Jacob puts the deceiver on his heels by speaking what he means. So listen, we have an adversary as Christians who likes to lie to us. And he likes to put us on our heels. But here's the truth of Scripture. You're not on defense. You're on offense. The adversary has gates. Remember what Christ says? On this rock, on this confession that Peter makes, that he is the Lord, on this confession I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Gates are defensive. They're not offensive. The adversary is on defense. You are on offense. Attack. Attack. Pray for the salvation of those around you. Speak the gospel. You aren't losing. Because the battle was already won. Speak boldly. Speak boldly. Say what you mean. So, we... Say here what we mean. We see Jacob, for the first time, says what he means, and it sets Laban back. Look at what Laban does there in verse 27. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination. That should be your first cue, that this is not good. Divination is marked out in Scripture as evil and wicked constantly. You don't... You don't practice magic. You don't try to figure out God with magic tricks. This story is going to go south. That's what the, the Hebrew author is telling you. Not good. Divination, not a good thing. We don't practice magic. We don't, we don't try to manipulate God. We don't try to get him to do what we want him to do. We, he is God. We are not. That's the way this works. So he says, I have learned by divination that Yahweh, he, uses, he invokes the name of God, a God he does not worship. He invokes the name of God, a God he does not worship. That the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will get it. So Laban looks at Jacob and says, how much do I have to pay you to keep you? That's what happens here. Jacob is his employee. He's doing a good job. And Laban goes, hey, listen, I... I understand. I've found favor because of you. He butters him up. I've found favor in the eyes of your God because of you. And I learned this 
because I was worshiping idols. I was worshiping idols and I learned that I have found favor because of you. Now, again, this is a weird story because Laban indeed has found favor. He has had favor given to him because of Jacob's service. He has increased. His flock has increased. His his grandchildren have increased. His family has increased. He has become a wealthy man because of Jacob. So this is not untrue. And it might be that he was praying to his idols and had some revelation that, yes, indeed, he found favor because of Yahweh. Because one thing we know about our God is he can speak through anything. And indeed, when Saul calls upon the witch of Endor and she summons Samuel from the grave, that actually happens. And she practices divination, and Samuel shows up and goes, what are you doing? This is evil. And he's rebuked by Yahweh. Saul is rebuked by Yahweh, having practiced divination. So, we see this this wicked behavior here, it very well could have been that Laban was praying to his idols and God showed up and said, hey, cut it out. You had blessing because Jacob is here. It's the only reason. Because, remember what is said in the promise of Abraham, I will give you offspring and you will bless the nation." Indeed, Jacob carries the blessing of God to those he is around. So Laban butters him up and then says, Name your wages and I will give it. In other words, how much will it cost for you to stay? I want to keep you as an employee. How much do I have to pay for you to stay here? And so Jacob answers him there in verse 29, says, You yourself know that I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me, for you had little before I came, and it increased abundantly. This word increased there is the same word used at Bethel. Remember when when Jacob lays down on the rock and he has the vision of the ladder going up to heaven, and there's angels ascending and descending to it, and God says, I will increase your offspring. I will increase you. That's the same word used here. It's the word that means spread out. It's not the same as what's used in uh, Genesis 1 when it says, be fruitful and multiply. That's not the same word here, though it has a similar root. This word here means to scatter. To scatter abroad. Right? So he says uh, here that you have scattered, you have spread out, you have increased. The same construct is used, the exact same construct is used in chapter 28, verse 14 at Bethel, where God says, I will increase you. So Jacob says, Laban, you have seen that you have increased. Hear the the intonation there. It's not that I have increased, like God promised me that I would increase, but that you are bearing the result of increase. You are bearing the result of my increase. Jacob is not a godly man 
at this point thinking of the blessing of the nations. He's a selfish man thinking about his own increase. And he's going, you've increased, Laban. You've increased. For, for you had little before I came, and it increased abundantly. And the Lord blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? So his, his, his rebuttal to Laban is, look, man, if I keep working here, it doesn't matter what you pay me. You're going to increase, and I'm always going to be subservient to you. And I don't want to be a slave to you anymore. Again, direct. He's direct with Laban. When you deal with a deceiver, somebody who's lying to you, speak directly. Speak directly. So, here we have verse 31. Laban says, what shall I give you? Again, he repeats it. What do you want me to pay you? I will pay you to keep you, Laban. Now, I don't know if you've ever left a job and had your employer, when you turn in your notice, go, well, how much would it cost to keep you? But that's the most offensive thing an employer can do to you. You didn't see value in me enough to keep me from the first point, but now you want to keep me since I'm leaving? That's what Laban does here. Well, how much would it cost for you to stay? What can I give you? And Jacob's response is, you can't give me anything. Look at what he says. You shall not give me anything. Now, he gets it right. For the first time, he accidentally gets it right. He gets it right because Abraham stands before the king of Sodom, having saved uh, Lot from certain destruction, having saved his nephew and and the the king, the kingdom. He has he has taken his his servants and his his trained warriors, and he has gone in and rescued them. And he comes out and he says, the, the king says, what shall I give you? And Abraham says, nothing. You give me nothing, for God rewards me. God rewards me. So for the first time, Jacob gets it right on accident. And he says, God will reward me. Or he says, what shall I give you? And he says, you shall give me nothing. And then he says, if you will, do this for me. I will again pasture your flock and keep it. And then he marks out the weirdest deal ever. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled, spotted sheep, every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and the black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. So he makes a deal. He says, give me all the ones who don't look pretty. What a change. All of a sudden, he doesn't want the ones that look pretty. He wants the ugly ones. He wants the modeled ones. The ones that are, that are not attractive. He wants the ones that don't appeal. All of a sudden. Boy, this is a shift from his wives, where he only wanted the pretty one. That's what it says. Uh He only wanted the pretty one. He said, give me the ugly sheep. You can have the pretty one. Now, we would like to think that this indicated that Jacob 
had some sort of change of heart. But in reality, Jacob was told to do this by God. In chapter 31, verses 11 through 13, he tells you, the story tells you, that Jacob had a dream in which the Lord told him, take the spotted and the speckled, I will give you them as your wages. Now, God delights in taking what is ugly and transforming it to his purposes. God delights in taking the broken, the weak, and the infirm and making them strong. God delights in taking the foolish and confounding the wise. In the same way here, we can draw this application that though we are not always beautiful, though we do not look the way the world wants us to, though we do not sound the way the world wants us to, we are God's because He took us. And not only did He take us, but He took us out of nothing. Out of nothing. And made us something. So we, we are speckled sheep. Jacob makes this uh, deal. He says, give me the speckled, the ugly ones. God delights in building up his flock with the broken and imperfect. In this way, Jacob says, when you come to keep account of the sheep, you will know by sight that I have not cheated or stolen in them. That's the deal. Laban, you will be able to look across my flock and go, yep, you didn't take any. You're not. You didn't take any of mine. So, Laban agrees to it almost immediately and tries to cheat Jacob. Look at what he says here in verse 34. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. Okay, so just a heads up. If a deceiver ever agrees with you quickly, there's a problem. They're trying to cheat you. If somebody who you know is a deceiver agrees with you suddenly... He goes, all right, let's move on. Let's get this, let's get this done. Problem. Red flags should go up everywhere. Uh-huh. Be on your guard. So, um, that's, that was free. There you go. The, he says here in verse 34, good, let it be as you've said, but that day Laban removed all the male goats that were striped and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, and, uh, everyone that had white on it, every lamb that was black, and, uh, put them in charge of his sons, and then he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. Gee, three days apart, the the life and blessing of Jacob is three days' journey away. Sounds an awful lot like the life and blessing of our own that was three days in a tomb, distant from us. You can draw from that what you will. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So Laban tries to, to cheat. So here's the application. When God gives the plan, not sticks, not magic, not our own cunning, not our own unrighteous behavior, not our own deceit. Nothing can thwart when God gives the plan. When God gives the plan, nothing can thwart that plan. It is his. And if he says, this is what I'm going to do, 
then you say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. Thank you. Then we come to this weird stick story. It's a weird story, but let's look at it. Verse 37 and following. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond trees and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He had set the sticks. So he set the sticks uh, that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the trough, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks so that the flocks brought forth stripes, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the stripes and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would put the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock. They might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler, he did not. And he would lay them he would not lay them there, so the feebler would be Laban's, and the stronger would be Jacob's. Now, this, again, I just want to reiterate, this has no basis in science. There's, there are commentators who will argue that Jacob knew something we didn't about sticks and things, and almonds, and pastures. No, this is a pagan practice. Jacob is doing a pagan practice. He is trying divination. Because divination worked for Laban. We ought not rush past this. You can read this story and go, oh, Jacob knew something. Okay, this is really cool. Maybe we should try this. We ought not rush past this. What we ought to recognize is that Jacob here is blessed by God in spite of his behavior, not because of it. Rachel did the same thing. In the last half of the chapter, Rachel said to Leah, give me that aphrodisiac fruit, that fruit that would make my husband want me, that would make me fertile. Give me that fruit that you found in the field that my pagan background tells me would make me fertile. And I will give you the husband because then I will become fertile. It doesn't work. She takes the fruit and Leah has three more kids. And then Rachel finally has one. Now, here Jacob is doing the same thing. These sticks are considered aphrodisiacs. They're these marking the sticks like this was a pagan practice that was supposed to make the sheep go wild for each other. Weird. I told you this was weird from the beginning. Please try to refrain from weird faces because this is a weird story. But you knew that. God blesses Jacob despite the sticks, not because of them. They are scarred and placed. He works really hard to do it. And he uses his own cunning, again, thinking, this will make me 
strong and wise. One day this man will learn that his own cunning will not bring him the righteousness necessary for salvation. Indeed, that does not happen until he gets his hip put out of place and he has to walk with a limp the rest of his life. Now, here he does this weird thing. This is reminiscent again of of Rachel, and we can draw this truth from this, that our attempts to be righteous and our wicked behavior does not nullify God's blessing. Our wicked behavior does not nullify God's blessing. I was just speaking to some people the other day about um, what to do when you can't worship. When for some reason you're in a place that you can't worship. The first thing to do is to examine yourself for sin that is in the way. Jacob is blessed by God, but he has yet to worship him. God has poured blessings upon Jacob, but he has yet to look at him and worship in honesty with everything that he is. Instead, he's trying to use sticks to get his own righteousness. Instead, he's trying to do it on his own. And he thinks that that's his success. I've done this myself. I've pulled myself up and he cannot worship. I want you... To understand that the blessing of God is not nullified by your wickedness, but your ability to see God and your ability to worship might be. Your ability to grasp what God is doing might be because of your own sin. So I would call you, if you are struggling with a sin, now kill it. Go to war with it. Kill the sin. Do not be deceived into thinking that the blessings of God are because you are doing the right thing. They're not. The blessings of God are because God is kind and generous and loving and faithful and present and constant. God has hesed love, which is a love we cannot define in English. So do not be deceived. God blesses whom he will. Jacob still cares about the idols of Canaan, and God is faithful to keep his promise. Isn't he a great God that he would do this? That though we try to get our own righteous way, though we try to do everything by our own hand, God is faithful to protect us, love us, and care for us. Finally, in verse 43, we see the result. Thus, the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants, male servants, camels, and donkeys. God keeps his promises to Jacob. Genesis 28, verse 14, is held in God's hand for Jacob. God is provided for by, uh, Jacob is provided for by God. And God maintains Jacob. In the same way, He will maintain you. He will maintain you. Let's pray and we will enter into a time 
of communion together.